taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 38, verse 4. I had a privilege not long ago to travel to Greece with my wife. And as we were in Greece, and when you're in Greece, you have to eat the Greek salad. How many of you guys like the Greek salad? Now, if you like Greek salad, you have to try the Greek salad from Athens, Greece. Oh, we were sitting in this very nice restaurant facing the Acropolis, and we order the Greek salad, the famous Greek salad. And here comes the Greek salad, fresh, pretty much from a garden close by because the tomatoes were so sweet. And the red onions were just so amazing. And then, of course, you have to add the Kalamata onion, uh, olives that probably came right away from the street from one of the trees in Greece. And then you have the, the, the cheese and all of that baptized in the real olive oil. And a little bit of lime. I hope that you're now, your mouth is just like, oh, Pastor Caesar, please stop. It's almost lunch already. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When I tell you guys about me, my experience with Greek salad, you're like, wow, I wish I could have that Greek salad right now. That's what God wants us for us. So we can tell everybody about our experience with Jesus Christ. And tell everybody how sweet, how incredible, how perfect our Savior is. To the point that they will want more. They will, they will do anything to have that experience that you have. Today I'm going to share with you about this uh, Bible character that encourages me to taste and see that the Lord is good. So open your Bibles with me in the book of 1 Samuel. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. We are going to do a quick reading. We are going to probably read around 16 verses here on the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. You have read the story before, you know the story, but let's just see what the Lord has here for us. But before we dive in into the Word of God, let me just pray with you once again. Father God, what an amazing Sabbath we have had so far. We praise you for all the lives that have decided to follow Jesus this, this Sabbath morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Father, for the, for the opportunity to be here this Sabbath morning. And now we pray that as we learn from the Word together, your Holy Spirit will be the teacher. Anoint my lips. Forgive my sins. I give myself to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible tells us the following. There was a certain man. Now, I'm from Brazil, so I'm sorry if you will hear accent on the way here there's some words and there's some people's names that you know ask pastor art because he has a better english than mine um from hamathain a zoophyte did i say that right okay you probably don't know from <laughs> from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was elkanah son of jehoham the son of elu the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth. Please do not name your child those names. He had two wives. Please don't do that as well. We are not teaching this. This is just Old Testament stuff. I don't have time to explain. He had two wives. One was called Hannah. And the other one called Penina. 
Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came to Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give a portion of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival Penina provoked her in order to irritate her. This went on and on and on, year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her, till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't you... don't." Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Poor boy, poor guy. He didn't know what he was saying. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. If you go four chapters backwards you're going to find the book of judges you skip the the book of ruth and then you're going to find the book of judges and i will give you guys a background of what is happening in israel as hannah is struggling with what she's struggling with so you will understand why she's praying what she's praying she's not actually just asking for a son and you're going to understand that by the end of this message today. But you have to have a background story in order for you to appreciate her prayer. So this is what, in the book of Judges, you just keep the book of Ruth, just four chapters. And then you go to the book of Judges. And then on the verse 17, sorry, verse 12. No, not verse 12. Yeah. Verse 25, I'm sorry. Verse 25 on the book of Judges, uh, chapter 20. I am actually using your Pew Bible, so page 181. The Bible says, In those days in Israel, they had no king, and everyone did as they, as they see what? Everyone did as they see fit. Hannah is praying. Hannah was led to prayer because of a situation in her life. By the way, I don't know if you have ever 
did a study on biblical names. But if you decide to do that one day, you're going to be amazed. Because every single one of the major Bible characters, their names are very important. And Hannah's name means favored, grace. Now, if you, if you read with me as you read chapter 1, you will probably understand that even though her name is grace and favored, I don't think she was feeling what? Favored. Even though she was called to something, even though she had a promise on her life, even though God was pointing to her a future, at that very moment in her life, she was not feeling graceful or favored. And I don't know if you right now, as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, with all the promises going for you, with all the promises of God going for your family, you came here this Sabbath morning, but you're not feeling favored. There's something lacking. There's something missing. There's a problem in your heart that nobody knows. You have put your happy Sabbath smile on your face. You have come to church this Sabbath morning. You have praised the Lord. You have shared with the, with the joy of baptism, but something in your heart is saying to you, God is good. Taste and see He is good, but not for me. He's good for them. Favored. Grace. By the way, there are other Bible characters that their names point to a reality that is not actually something that they were experiencing. How about this guy? Abraham. His name literally means what? Father of multitudes. Now, if you know the story, God, of course, changed his name. But before God changed his name, well, when God changed his name and gave him the name of Abraham, father of multitude, he had how many kids? How many? Now imagine you meeting Abraham, and this is his name. So you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Caesar. I'm from Wesley Chapel. And he will turn to me, hey, I'm Abraham, I'm from Ur. My name is, my name means father of multitudes. Oh, that's nice, Abraham. I'm, I just recently had a daughter. How many kids do you have? Yeah. <laughs> Your name is what? Father of what? How many kids do you have? Zero. Your reality is not really pointing to the promise. You're far away from the promise. How about this guy? His name is Jonah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And then people say there's no humor in the Bible. If you know the story of Jonah, that's the meaning of his name. Peaceful son of obedience. That's exactly what he was not. He was not obedient and he was not peaceful. But the Bible is telling us today the following. Maybe your current situation is not your what? Final destination. I don't know what is going on in your life right now. And I don't know if your current situation doesn't match the, plot, the promises God has for you. But God is saying to you, whatever is going on right now in your life that doesn't really make sense, believe in me and I will make sense for you. 
I will make sense of your current situation. Oh, Hannah. She thought that she was not favored. That she was not under God's grace. I have learned in my life that the very challenges that cause me pain and suffering also have fueled my prayer life. So let me ask you right from the beginning, who is your penina? Because in the story, this lady called Penina, she is bothering Hannah so much that Hannah starts weeping and crying because this lady reminds her of her current situation that is not really her final destination. And she's like, what do I do with this, Lord? And Hannah is now in a pickle. And maybe you are in the pickle. Because Penina, according to the story, the Bible says that she is Hannah's adversary. And the Bible also tells us that we have an adversary. And this adversary, every single day, he points his finger at you and he tells you, you see, this God of yours, this, the promises of this God, he may be good, but he's not good to you. It's better to drop off the church right now. It's better to go for other things, better things outside of this funny thing called Christianity because the promises of God might be good in paper, but in reality, it's not. So Panina is pushing Hannah every single day. And let me say something to you. I don't know who... Your penina is? It could be a person. It could be a situation. It could be the lack of something. It could be the abundance of something. It could be at your job. It could be in your family. It could be a health problem that every day when you wake up, you have to face your penina that tells you that God is not good to you. And then you have to make a decision. And your decision is just actually, you have just two options. You will either... You will either disbelieve all the promises of God or you will pray. Or you, that, that penina will lead you to pray. And I have learned in my life that the challenges in my life have led me to pray. I believe that what David wrote on Psalm 119 verse 71 is true. Let's read it together. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. There is a problem when, when Satan comes and tries to take you away from God's promises. You can give in or you can pray. And if you pray and if you accept the plans that God has for you, and the Bible says, I have plans for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If you believe that, Satan will, your adversary will be total and every single time overcome. Amen. Because the Bible tells us that he can use our peninas to fill our prayer life. He can use the, the setbacks, the downturns, the drama, the trials to fill your prayer life. And when you allow that to happen, Satan is all the time overcome. 
So he doesn't know what to do with you. Because when he tempts you and he, and he points fingers at you and when he tries to take you away from the future and the hope and the promises that God has for you and then you don't give in, he doesn't know what to do with you. Amen. That's the problem he had with the apostles. That's the problem he had with the Apostle Paul. He put the Apostle Paul in prison. He... He had the Apostle Paul on a shipwrecked. The Apostle Paul received five times the lashes on his back, 39 plus one. He was stoned to, almost to death once. He gives a list of things that had happened to him. But then you read 71 times in the New Testament, Paul saying, be grateful. Amen. Be joyful. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. What do you do with a person? When the penis in your life tries to destroy you, you go to prayer. Amen. What do you do? Satan doesn't know what to do with Christians who pray. Because he knows that the weapon that you have in your hands is prayer. Amen. And he will do anything. And he will bring anyone. And he will try any some circus to take you away from prayer. But if your penina drives you to prayer, you will say like David said, it was good to me to be, to be afflicted. Amen. Now we're talking about this dude who did so many terrible and nasty things. Do you agree with me? And then he faced terrible consequences because of that. Now he turns back and probably he's an old guy now. He's writing Psalm 19, 119. And he says to all of us here today, you know what? It was good. I learned my lesson. Praise the Lord. Because now I know how good God is and how sinful sin is. Amen. And I don't want nothing to do with that anymore. If every affliction that you have faced in your life leads you to have learned more about God's love for you, Praise God for your penina. I don't know who your penina is, but I, I know that the answer is in prayer. I like what Rick Warren, pastor, speaker, and writer wrote. He said, your most effective ministry will come out of your what? Deepest hurts. Your deepest hurts. Oh, I have met people who have lost loved ones. I have met people who had to face divorce. I had met people who had to face cancer. I had met people who had to, to face bankruptcy. And they thought that that was the end of the road. They thought that that penina had overcome. But when they gave their life to God, God overcame for them. Amen. So we have a hope. Your most effective ministry will come out of your most deepest hurts. I don't know what is going on in your life right now, but I am, I am basing myself in this promises of God here. If you allow the Lord to take your penina, He's going to go to town with her. And you're going to see what He can do with the pain and afflictions that your penina had caused you. So Hannah started to pray. And when we pray, prayer change things. 
Do you agree with me? Now listen to this. I told you in the beginning, apparently she was praying for a son, but that's not what she's praying for. Because Hannah, she's a faithful follower of Jehovah. And she wants to see the promise, the most important promise to be fulfilled for her people and even in her lifetime. And you know what that promise was? The coming of the Messiah. Every single lady that trusted Jehovah and believed in the promises from Eve on prayed a prayer asking for a male son. Because they were praying for the Messiah. She was not praying for a baby doll. She was not praying for a baby that she could just show to her enemy Panina saying, Listen, see, now I have a baby. You have to have one. She was not trying to make the score even. Hannah, and that's a lesson we have to learn. Her focus was not on her enemy. Her focus was on her God. She spent her time praying not to show off to other people and then she will say, see how God had blessed me? See, now he gave me a new job and now I have a new car and now I can go to this place and I can go to that. See how big my house is? She's not trying to compare blessings. She's not even thinking about that. Her innermost prayer is like, God, I know that my people is suffering without a judge. We have no judge in the land. And the priest that we have, he's old, he's going to die. And his two sons, they're no good priests. And God, who is going to take over? Give me a son so I can... So I can Present this boy to you so you can use him for your glory and for your kingdom. That was her prayer. Every time we pray, we have to keep this in mind. God is not, God is not Santa Claus and he's not trying to make every wish that you have in your heart come true. Even though in the Bible, he tells us in the book of Psalm chapter 37 verse 4, he says, uh, if you, if, you, if you love the Lord, He will satisfy the desires of your heart. He tells us that. He tells us to come and pray. And in His name, He's going to give us everything we, we are asking for. But before we do that, we have to go and realize one thing. It's according to His will. Now, in order for me to pray according to His will, I have to have His heart. And in order for me to have his heart, I have to pray for his heart. I have to be in total accordance to his will. And that's why David was called the man after his own heart. You know why David was called the man after his own heart? Because he prayed for a new heart. In the Bible, Psalm chapter 51 verse 10, he said, Give me, O Lord, a new heart. And then Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, the Bible says, I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. You know what the Bible is telling us? 
The Bible is saying, if you want to pray prayers that I can answer, you have to have a new heart. Because the Bible also says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, deceitful is the heart of man more than anything else. You have to have a new heart in order for you to have a new prayer life, in order for you to receive the blessings that God has in store for you. You have to come before the Lord every day and say, God, do the surgery, please. Remove this heart of stone and replace with a new heart. Now, this is, this is the, the gospel in a nutshell. When David said, God, give me a new heart. If you have a heart problem and you need a heart transplant, two things need to happen. The first thing is you have to recognize that you need a heart transplant. The second is someone needs to die. Because someone with a good heart needs to donate you a heart. So when David prayed that prayer, he said, God, give me a new heart. You know what he was saying? God, my heart is so deceitful, and I really want to be living according to your will because I have tasted everything, everything else in my life, and everything, everything else doesn't really match your love. I want, I want to be total faithful to you, but I really need a new heart. This is what he's saying. I want you to die so you can take your heart and give it to me. And that's exactly what Jesus did. At the cross, Jesus Christ opened his arms. And he told the Father, Father, you're the healer of all healers. And I'm dying today so I can give my heart to them. So they can receive my, my will. So when they pray, Father, they will pray according to my will. And that's why we're called Christians, because we're followers of Jesus Christ. And our prayers mimic the prayers of Jesus Christ. And according to Hannah, she was praying for a leader. She was praying for the Messiah. God gave her Samuel. But if you start praying right now, our prayer, and this is the only prayer we should be praying today. Please, Father, send the Messiah. Because the world needs the Messiah. Amen. Let me tell the world about the Messiah. Amen. And she received what she prayed for. She received a blessing. Let me just give my translation of a blessing. Because if you're praying today for something, maybe you have to go through this exercise that I just presented to you. You have to say, God, my heart is deceitful. I need a new heart. So my prayer can be according to your prayer, to your will. But then here is something that God wants to let you know this morning. God is a God of blessings. And he will not give anything to you that is not a blessing. Amen. God will not give anything to you that is not a blessing. And so here is what a blessing is. A blessing is everything that we receive from God that we use to glorify him by the service of others. That's what a blessing is. Abraham, one day when he was called by God, God told him, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And then he, told, he turns to Abraham and says, now be a blessing. Do you want to receive answers to your prayers? 
Start asking God, whatever you give me, I want to use that to glorify your name by serving others. Isn't that what Hannah did? As soon as she received Samuel as her blessing, not long after that, the Bible tells her that she brings little Samuel to the temple. And she presents little Samuel to the priest, Eli. And then she tells Eli, do you remember me? I was the lady that came here crying and weeping. God blessed me. Now, Eli, here's my blessing. I want to turn this boy, this blessing, to be a blessing to the nation. Are you willing to take whatever God is giving you to glorify Him and be a blessing to others? Is your house a blessing to others? If not, why are you praying for a bigger house? Is your bank account a blessing to others? If not, why are you praying for more money? Is your health a blessing to others? If not, why are you praying for blessings? God is not going to give you anything that is not a blessing. And a blessing is everything that we use to glorify Him Amen. in the service of others. Amen. Let me finish with a story. My mom, when she was pregnant of this little guy here, she was facing a very hard time in the house. My father, bless his heart, great guy, love him to death, but at that time he was hell. <laughs> My mom decided that she, she couldn't take it anymore. So she had a conversation with my father. We have to change this. We have to change what is happening in this house. My father looked at her and said, I want a divorce. I'm out. Now my mom, pregnant with me, two older brothers I have, didn't know what to do. She turned to my father and said, okay. We dedicated two boys to the Lord, and we saw a baby dedication today. And every time I see a baby, de baby dedication, I remember what the story my mom told me. She told my dad, let's dedicate this one more to the Lord, and then you can do whatever you want to do with your life. And of course, she came to the church that Saturday morning, and she prayed this prayer. God, I'm dedicating my son to be a pastor. I'm not dedicating him to be a doctor, a firefighter, a dentist. I want him to be a pastor, to share the message of salvation with others. And Father, maybe this is the last prayer I'm praying with my husband this day. But Father, if you save my marriage, I will raise this boy to be a pastor. My mom was my first Bible teacher. Every night, she would come to the room and read the Bible with me and pray with me. Every night, she would come to my room and sing songs to me. I grew up, and when I was 17 years old, I had some friends over. 
And I just wanted to go clubbing with my friends. And I remember going clubbing that night, and I came back home wasted. My mom was waiting for me in the living room with my dad. God saved her marriage. But now God needed to save me. That night I went to my room, and they stayed in the living room, and they were praying. And in my room, I was just thinking, God, something is wrong. And maybe I was a little bit drunk, but I remember reading the Bible during this whole process. Next morning, I went to my mom's room, and I say, Mom, you know what? I don't know why, but this night, I just... I, I just decided I want to be a pastor. And she looked at me and she said, finally. <laughs> so let me tell you a story. And then she told me the story. She turned her son to the Lord and she said, use him, Father, for the ministry of the gospel so, she, so he can be a blessing to others. So I stand here today because of the prayer of one faithful lady Amen. that prayed for me to be a pastor. She did not know I was going to be a pastor in the United States. She did not know I was going to learn English and start preaching in a second language. Bless your heart that you're here trying to translate all of this that I'm saying to you this morning. I'm saying to you that if you pray this morning a prayer, and I don't know what blessing you're asking for the Lord, but if you say, God, change my heart so I can start praying a prayer according to your will. God, I want a blessing so I can glorify you and serve others with this blessing. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, there is nothing in this world that will stop this prayer to come true. Amen. God will fulfill his promises to your life. And then later you're going to say, yes, indeed, I am favored and I am graceful. Amen. Hannah understood that her current situation was not her final destination. Let me pray with you. Let us close this with a prayer. Father, this morning we had experienced just incredible things in this church. We praise you for every single person who gave their lives to you. And now we pray, Father, for the congregation that you will bless them so they can use this blessing to glorify your name and for the service of others. Father, I pray that their current situation will not take them away from their final destination. And Father, I pray that if there is anyone here struggling with any penina in their lives, that this penina will actually feel their prayer lives in such a way that Satan today will be overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.